Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch into another show. Fun and excitement. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. So dial on in and bring up anything you want. That is how the show works. In the meantime, we bring up what we find interesting. And uh, I spotted an interesting story over at uh, Lou Rockwell the other day on their blog, which is just a handy little resource. This one's from Baltimore, and it's one of those stories that just isn't that uncommon. Now, it's uncommon enough to be newsworthy in that this woman went to the news, I guess, and gave them the story. But I think this happens a little bit more often than is reported. Stories from Baltimore, or sort of. Anyway, former Baltimore resident Patricia Lee is from the Examiner or Examiner.com. Thought she left the Charm City for good when CSX Corporation relocated her to Jacksonville, Florida, a decade ago in 1997. But now, Baltimore City officials wrote to let her know they're still thinking about her. Oh, good. Usually, when the government's thinking about you, about you, it's not a good thing. Sure enough, a parking ticket issued on her expired Maryland tags in 2002, tags she took with her to Florida and stored in her garage, garnered Lee a shocking notice this month demanding roughly $1,100 in fines and penalties. The violation? Parking at an expired meter near Maryland General Hospital uh, in Baltimore. Remember... She was in Florida as of 1997. She says, when I first got the notice, I thought it was a scam, Lee said in a phone interview from Florida. I was at my job in Jacksonville that day. Besides, the tags had expired. Uh, Besides that, the tags had expired. Shocked, Lee requested a copy of the ticket issued by an agent Epps. The ticket alleges Lee was illegally parked on the morning of January 4th, 2002. She says, they'd have to be crazy. I was down here in Florida in 2002. Can you prove where you were at the time, citizen? Right. The hefty bill's now in the hands of a collections firm, which was hired by the city to pursue parking scoff laws. Taking matters into her own hands, Lee sent a letter to the inspector general from her employer verifying she was at work in Florida the day the ticket was issued. She also has appealed her case to the collections firm. She says they told me to ask for a court date and tell it to the judge. Well, Oh, that's great. Now you can go to uh, Baltimore and have a court date. Oh, how about they just bring the court down here to Jacksonville yeah. where I am? Well, that doesn't work that way. Now, no, does it? it doesn't seem to work that way, no. She says, "I, you have to be kidding. I'm supposed to travel to Baltimore from Florida to fight a $23 ticket? Baltimore City Department of Transportation officials said they would investigate the ticket, but could not respond by press time. Because you know how those bureaucrats, they just have so much to do with their days. and they Busy, just busy, busy. Right, right. They, you know, they've got priorities. Meanwhile, Lee said that... Which, just, uh, just out of curiosity... What can what can happen to one if they uh, if they don't pay their parking ticket? You know that's an excellent question, and Julia and I were talking about that today because we got sloppy when we went downtown uh, in Keene, New Hampshire, where where we live, and there are parking meters all over the place. Uh, and we got sloppy. Normally, we look around for the parking lady to see if she's mm-hmm. somewhere when we zip in and zip out of a store. So I was coming up one of the streets, and you can usually catch her when she's walking down the street the opposite direction or something. But we forgot to even think about it, and so, of course, today was the one day in two years that we uh, we got caught. I I got 
popped for one a couple of years ago. It was the first time Julia had gotten one in two years. So the the fee is five dollars, and now we're wondering: Well, have we parked downtown a hundred times in two years? Have we actually made you know? Have we saved enough money uh, from all the times that we've parked to where if we pay this five dollar fee, we'll actually still be paying less than we would have paid? I've calculated, and it comes out to be yes. It's it's more. I save more money by not putting by not. money in the ma- meters, at least here in Keene, New Hampshire, because the fines are low enough. And if you're usually, just doing an in and out, if you're Right. sit there for a while, then you probably should put There's, some money. Yeah, if you're in there for over an hour, you're definitely going to get caught, at least here. But for the most part, if you're doing an in and out, I've found that I save money by just chancing it and getting a ticket once in a while. Hmm. So the question, of course, is what happens if you don't pay the ticket, though, right? Right. Uh, you know, I know there's somebody here in New Hampshire that had acquired a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of tickets, and I don't think a boot or any, anything like that was ever put on his car, but I could be wrong. Well, it's it's a matter of where where is your car at the time. And I've always wondered about this boot thing. Someone comes along and puts some device on my car. Can I cut it off, leave it there on their doorstep, plank, throw it off at the police station? Yeah. I don't know. How easy is it to cut off one of those things? Mm. Maybe I, if you have the boot key. I think this really depends where you live because... Bureaucrats, bureaucrats are bureaucrats, and they're not going to do more work than they have to do. Here in Keene, New Hampshire, the parking lady, for her to go out and make a big deal about someone not paying their ticket, she's probably not going to make a whole lot more money off that. She's not going to get much out of it. So I think it depends. Somewhere in a bigger city, there would probably be more repercussions where they're going to heighten the fine to hundreds and hundreds of dollars or something. I know the fine goes up. I know that much. Yeah, it goes up to, I think, $100 here in Keene is the max cutoff. But if you don't pay it, are they going to suspend your license? But my license is from Florida, and so they can't. It's not a moving violation either. Violation. I don't think they could suspend your license. They could keep you from registering a new car, maybe. But great. I don't plan on doing that. What about credit? It's uh, in this case. There's a uh, there's a collections company coming after you. Um, Oh man, you're right. Government agencies can affect your credit. That's. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just asking. I don't know the answer to that. Mm. Well, if you do, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe you're a law enforcement officer, and you can help give us a little bit of insight. 800-259-9231. But this lady is uh, facing $1,100, a little bit more than the $5 ticket that, uh, it's that I received. It's late today. fees, which really stinks. Yeah. Uh, she says that despite plans to visit Baltimore soon, she has reservations about the town she used to call home. She says, it's just laziness. My tags have expired, and furthermore, the ticket looks like it was written over. They need to be more thorough, she says. Maybe they messed up. Maybe they got, uh, you know, one letter off on the tag. Yeah. And why couldn't that happen? <laughs> right. So there you go. How do you feel about that? I think I mean, I'd just throw that away if I was her and try to stay away from Baltimore. Well, right. Yeah, you stay away from Baltimore. There's not much they can do. <laughs> but I if mean, it does affect your credit, that could be quite a big deal. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I wonder how you, how do you. I understand there's a process to challenge things that are on your credit report. Is it more difficult to challenge governmental uh, entities reporting to your credit report? Seems or, to me I didn't enter into a contract. Uh, but, you know, parking in that space, I don't know that that's entering into a contract. Yeah, that's. I, but yeah, well, is the credit company going to uh, the credit reporting agency going to care about that? I don't know. So many questions. No answers, unfortunately. We don't have answers for you on this. Would love to hear your answers, though, at 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. I'm being told that a government fine, this from a credit, uh, this from our boys over at SACL CAI, uh, a collections agency. They, uh, they Who say, doesn't do this kind of collections? <laughs> okay. Would never consider doing this kind of collection. Well, anyway, he's telling me that the fine cannot affect your credit if it is under $50. 
If it but starts under fifty dollars, yeah, it's going to go above fifty dollars. <laughs> right, late fees. Uh, yeah. So there you go. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. As always, uh, lots of stuff to talk about here. And Andy, you know, this is a huge problem. People around the country are being impoverished by these uh, these government tickets. They're just sucking your wealth out of you, and they didn't do anything to earn this money. And it doesn't really, you know, you're right, Mark, there is no explicit contract as far as it doesn't say on the actual uh, parking space what the punishment will be. I was at a restaurant the other day. Half the time it doesn't say when you're supposed to park, when you're allowed to park there and when you're not. I was at a restaurant the other day, private parking spaces, and there were the little little to-go spaces. You'd go and you'd park at the little to-go space if you were just running in and running out. And it said on on the sign that, you know, you'd be towed by... The company you'd be towed by, and then it it said your car would be crushed and melted. Now, I don't know if that was a joke or not, but I took that seriously. Like, whoa, I am not parking in those spaces. I wouldn't park there anyway, just yeah. for the chance. Well, so, hey, at least they said where they're going to tow your car. When the government bureaucrats tow your car, they don't let you know where it's going to be. It you got to chase it around town. Yeah, you got to call the tow companies until you find which one they called up to tow your car, so... It's just a nightmare. And people, you know, these are this is $1,100 that this woman should be should be able to keep. And for all you know, the government's going to say, well, a number's a number, lady. We've got your car. This is your car. You look, you're telling us you weren't there. For all we know, you're just in cahoots with right. your company. How can she prove where she was on January the 2nd, 2002, or whatever it was? 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up whatever's on your mind. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Um, by the way, those features include live streams. So we've got a broadband version and a dial-up version, both free for you. Head on over there and take advantage of them at freetalklive.com. Plus, President Hillary Clinton, the North American Union, unconstitutional gun and drug laws, a national ID card. What's your trigger point? If it happens, what will you do? The Free State Project knows that one size does not fit all. Participants choose which event will trigger their move to New Hampshire to join the fight for freedom. Check it out at freestateproject.org and then get signed up. That's freestateproject.org. In fact, uh, we were talking a moment ago about a, a very just sad kind of outrageous story about a lady who uh, moved out of Baltimore and then a decade later got a parking (laughs) ticket uh, sent to her, which apparently actually was issued to her five years after she left Baltimore, and so it's been accruing interest for the past five years. So it was a $23 parking ticket that is now an $1,100 parking ticket. And we're asking the question about credit reports because, you know, the issue is, well, if you ignore this, then they're going to report it to the credit agencies, so you can't just ignore this. Something has to be done about this parking ticket. And she's trying to fight it. She's pr- trying to prove she was in Florida. Uh, but they're claiming she needs to come up to Baltimore to fight it in court. Right. So uh, she's going to spend an incredible amount of money flying up there, uh, getting a hotel room and waiting around for the bureaucrats to say, okay, 
So I uh, got a little bit more information here uh, over the uh, the break. I'm told that you can dispute the charge if it's reported to the credit agency just like any other debt. And just like any other debt, the bureaucrats will have to respond to the, the dispute within 30 days or it must be removed from your credit report. But what if they've sold it to a collections agency? Is it then the collections agency who has to respond or the originators of the debt, the bureaucrats themselves? So many questions. I don't know. If you know the answer, I'd love to hear from you. 800-259-9231. We go to Rich in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Rich. Well, hello. I'd like to weigh in on the parking the, that parking ticket situation. Go ahead, sir. Well, I believe the answer to the question is that once the, the debt is sold to a collection agency, the, it's their responsibility to prove that you actually owe it. And based on what you've told us, it sounds like she's trying to prove her innocence rather than demanding that they prove her guilt. And so basically what you do is you say, okay, I under, I'm in receipt of this, this uh, bill or ticket or whatever. Thank you very much. It's not my intent to defraud anybody. But, uh, you know, if you can prove that I actually owe this, if you have, have any factual basis to your claim that I was actually in this place, et cetera, et cetera, then I'll gladly pay it. And if I don't hear back from you within 10 days, we'll consider the matter settled, and, I, I'll and it'll be understood that I owe nothing. Well, now, the, and, the collections agency is going to respond and say, well, we have the proof. Here's the ticket. Right? Uh, well, they would, have to, they would have to do, I think, more than that. I know I actually uh, did use this type of method. And how to go for you? Because I've heard about it, and I'm fascinated by it. I think it's very interesting. And, and uh, you know, the basic idea is that, yeah, okay, you say I owe these taxes. Well, where's the evidence that uh, shows that I agreed to pay you these taxes in the first place, right? That's the basic premise. Yeah, yeah. Basically what happened was, well, you see, I travel in a, in a car that is owned by a trust. And the trustee is in Montana. And so the, it still has Montana plates and everything. Mm -hmm. So, anyway... I got a parking tit ticket. I got sloppy, and I forgot to feed the meter. Here in New Hampshire. Yeah, in in Plymouth, actually. And so uh, I got a ticket, and basically what I did was I drafted up a letter, and and basically, well, actually what happened was they sent it immediately to a collection agency in California. Really? Basically, yeah, with an official-sounding name on it, like... Uh, Government Collection was, Agency. Yeah, exactly. Or they, they didn't use the word collection agency, but I could clearly see that that's, that was the role that they were playing in mm -hmm. California for a, a New Hampshire ticket. So basically, and the, there was another twist. There was, the person who issued the ticket apparently ne neglected to sign it, and there was actually a spot on there for the signature, and there was none. Huh. Oops. So I basically said, well, where's the signature, and what contract have I signed? What contract do you have with my valid signature on it? That binds me to such an obligation. If I don't hear from you within uh, 10 days, I'll consider the matter dropped. Awesome. But and what it, happened? Well, it's interesting. What happened was uh, I didn't do what they instructed, which was to, to, con to go on their website to challenge it. What I did was I had the letter sent directly to the collection agency. Meanwhile, the Plymouth Police Department sent another letter uh, saying, well, you, you didn't pay the ticket in time, so we're increasing the fine to $45 from 15 <laughs> Now, obviously, $15 is not a big deal, so we're not talking about you know, the big deal of, of uh, 
losing fifteen dollars. It's the principal. It's the principal. Sure, sure. You didn't sign any agreements, and if you, for instance, if you had gotten a New Hampshire's driver's license, then they could maybe make the argument. Well, you did sign this. Of course, right. that could so you could also argue well, you were under coercion, but you you know right. you weren't. Right. So basically, what we did was we drafted another letter sent it directly to the police department with all the proof that we'd already contacted this collection agency with a, with a check for $45. But we stipulated both in the letter and on the check that this uh, you know, permission is granted for you to cash this check, provided that you prove X, Y, and Z. And they never did. You, they didn't try to cash the check anyway? That's right. I'm I'm baffled by that. Um, I I can only imagine if you send a check to a government agency, they'd pa- they'd cash the check and then say, yeah, well, whatever, you you and your silly little letter. Right. <laughs> now, for more to get more information about this, about how to deal with debt collectors and how to deal with the law, period, I recommend the work of Richard Cornforth, and his he's got a website. It's richardcornforth.com, and I've attended mm. one of his seminars, and he is a legal researcher. And he has a, an incredible track record for for going after corrupt judges and corrupt lawyers and and teaching people how to how to use the the legal system properly. Well, it's, as I understand it, and and, and I, this is something that has fascinated me for quite a while. And, and when I ran across the concept, and let me let me run by you as the way I understand this, Rich, and make sure that we're on the same page, or you can correct me because it sounds like you've done far more research than I have here. But as I understand it, when the government presents you with a with a parking ticket or whatever kind of ticket, for instance, they're saying to you that uh, they, they give you these op- supposed options. You know, you can pay the ticket or you can challenge the ticket. And then, of course, there's the third option that uh, you always know you can ignore uh, the, the ticket. But, but what you're saying and what this viewpoint is is that there's a fourth option that no one wants to tell you about, and that is that there's this discussion phase. Right, to where um, if you pay the ticket, well, obviously you're you're accepting uh, the 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 claim and you're you're paying it out. Uh, if you challenge it, then you're going into this conflict phase where you are uh, you're getting into an issue with the with the state. But if you discuss the ticket, which is what you're doing, you're saying, well, hey, look, okay, this is fine. I uh, I'm certainly willing to pay if I owe this. All I need you to do is prove to me that I owe it to you. And you're yes, into, entering right. in this discussion phase. I want you to tell me if I'm on target here. Hang on. We're going to bring you back, okay? 800-259-9231. And uh, fascinating. Uh, finally meeting somebody that's actually tried this and apparently has had success. This is Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, By the way, those include... The updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. You can go to ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. All right, so have you ever gotten a ticket 
and wondered if there was any way to actually get out of it without having to go to court. According to the man we have on the phone, and according to some of the things I've read online, there might actually be. His name is Rich. He is a Free State Project early mover in New Hampshire. Uh, Rich, you're back on Free Talk Live. Are you there, sir? Yes, I am here. Thank you. All right. So let me uh, let me once again uh, recap this, as I understand it, for people that might just be tuning in. If you get sent, for instance, a ticket or some sort of fine, the government claims that you only have certain options. You can challenge it. You can pay it. And then, of course, you can pretend it never happened and, and ignore it and wait and see what they do to you. But there's the fourth, there's a fourth option they don't tell you about, and that is that you, uh, before you enter into conflict with the government, you can discuss what they're claiming. You know, because essentially it's them sending you an invoice. It's them sending, saying, hey, you owe us this money. And so basically what you're saying you've done is that you've written them a letter saying, well, I'm happy to pay you the money that you claim I owe you, but I will require that you give me some proof or some evidence that I actually owe you this money, that I, for instance, signed some sort of agreement that said that I would pay you were I to park in this particular parking space or whatever the issue might be at hand, to demand more proof from them of this supposed contract that's between you, which, of course, there is no contract between you, at least not in your case. Your car's registered in Montana, and you're living in New Hampshire. One could make the argument that people that have New Hampshire driver's licenses have agreed to all of this uh, nonsense, and that might be a a, a decent argument. Then again, it is sort of a coercive situation. I'd like you to address that later if you can. But seeing as you're not not even registered in the state, you've never signed an agreement with with the state of New Hampshire uh, to that end, and so you sent off this, uh, this letter... And they never, if you put this uh, line in there about, it, well, if you don't respond within 10 days, then I'm going to consider this, this matter closed. And you said you've had success. Did I miss anything? Am I on the right track? Is that the discussion phase as I've heard it, or is it something different? No, that's a very, very good uh, summary of what happened. And, of course, they, the police department sent directly a claim that because I, the ticket had not been paid on time, they were increasing the fine by threefold. And at that point... We took, a, took it to another level, and we, we sent a check. But on the check and in the letter that we sent, we said, okay, you have permission to cash this check, provided that you prove X, Y, and Z. And here's the proof that we did, in fact, attempt to contact the collection agency that claimed that we, that I, or we, or I, whatever. It's owned by a trust. So what was it that the, uh, you, you demanded of the police to prove X, Y, and Z, you said? Uh, well, show the show me a valid contract with my con with my signature on it, binding me to such an obligation. Uh, you know, show me how this is a valid parking ticket when there's no signature in the signature place, and then it showed them a sent them a copy of the ticket showing that in fact there was no signature, and. Now, like do, you, do you think that's what might have gotten you off? Do you think if there was a signature, this might have gone a different way and the police would have said, uh, we're not playing this game with you. Um, who, who are you? Um, what are you going to do if we do just cash this check? That's a good question, and the answer is I don't know. I think the fact that there was no signature on it could only help. Well, my no. ticket here is I've got a parking ticket from the city of Keene. It says Officer 145. There's no signature on this either. Uh-huh. Okay. But, but then again, yes. place for a signature on that one. Right, but right. but as you said, you know, 
even if there was a signature on the ticket, where's your signature, Rich? What about right. that signature? Because a contract has to have two parties uh, agreeing to it. There are certain steps. You know, you have to be offered the contract. You have to examine the contract. You have to understand the contract. You have to come to a meeting of the minds, and then you have to sign the contract. I might even be missing a step in there somewhere, but basically there are some certain steps that you have to go through before you have a real valid contract, and... Even with somebody that has signed up for a driver's license, one could make the argument that they were not in full possession of the facts as far as they did not really understand the contract they were getting into. Exactly. And you were not told that it's actually a voluntary contract. They, well, they don't tell you that there's a difference between driving and traveling. So I, I carefully choose my words, and I don't have a driver's license. Actually, yeah. what I have is a private issue international motors qualifications card which is nothing more than an affidavit of competency now i've gotten a lot of those in my email box saying you don't need a driver's license just uh, fill out this uh, um x y and z here and we'll issue one of these things uh is that what you're talking about yeah but i, I you know i'd be careful it's, it's really good to learn a lot before you take this take this step because if if you don't, you, if you if you're only half informed, you can get yourself in trouble. Now I'm happy to say, the truth is I haven't been pulled over for anything since I surrendered the driver's license assigned to my person back in 2005, February. So it's been three years, and I have yet to be pulled over. So you said you surrendered. You mean you surrendered your old Montana driver's license, but you still have this international uh, driver's certification? Yeah, yeah. It's just an international motors qualifications, and I very carefully. Uh, prepared myself for the day, if and when I'm ever pulled over, how to posture myself, what to say, what not to say. Can you run what, us through that? What would you, uh, how would you handle that? Well, there's there's a lot to this. There's a there's a lot to uh, that it can be said about this. We've got three I, minutes. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no one right right way to do this, but basically, I would I would uh, tell the officer I am not a resident, and of course, having a a car with out-of-state plates is all the more convincing. And uh, I don't have a driver's license. I, I work for an international company, and uh, I, don't, I don't have a driver's license. And so I would show them the International Motor Qualifications card, which is a valid identification, it's an mm -hmm. affidavit of identification, and a certificate or affidavit of competency. And I would explain that... Uh, you know, the officer would say, what the hell is this, according to those who've gone before me. And I would simply explain, that's my international motors qualifications card, and let him deal with it. <laughs> yeah. So, so How do I likely, process this? Likely will uh, never have seen one of these before, not know that it isn't some kind of issued by some kind of government body, which is the right. only way something like this could be valid, because it's issued by a government body. Um, right. So at this point, he goes back to his car, he does a background check, he finds that there's no warrant out for my arrest, and he also finds that I, I'm not in the system. Yeah, he'll so probably this, also just at that point say, you know, this sounds like more than my little uh, pay's uh, worth. I'm going to get a donut. Goodbye. Right. And, and leave. At that point, he has a, a choice between arresting me, which he can really, legally, he can only do that if I've committed a jailable offense, like hit and run or drunk driving or you know, reckless whatever. But uh, it's either that or let me go. And, of course, one thing p people forget to say to the cop is, may I go now? Dismiss yourself. 
Well, it's going to be nerve-wracking. I know that whenever oh, yeah. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. pulled over, I think I'm going to do one thing, and I do, <laughs> I'm way too nervous, and it I takes do the practice. complete opposite. It so. definitely takes practice. And, of course, the more uh, opportunities you have to interact with the police, the less you will, you, the less you will view them as uh, scary, though they always do true. have that gun on their hip. I always do try to limit my interactions, though, this not, is true. not raise them. Rich, how does one go, uh, go about getting this uh, certification you're talking about? Uh, well, the company that I got it from, actually, they... Uh, they quit oh dear <laughs> yeah yeah well the guy retired that uh i see because uh, we've actually yeah, been dude. talking about this recently here uh at some of the the meetings uh the the get-together social gatherings here in Keene, uh the free state project members and other liberty activists mo- uh, meeting and talking about you know some sort of private uh driver certification some sort of identification card that that we could create uh you know not involving state governments uh right. to basically do what you're talking about right and, and i'm very you- interested in that we could yeah. create our own. The, right. Well, free, I wanted to free look, keen. Well, I'd want it to look professional. I think it should be for the you know the the whole free land of New Hampshire or something like that. But it should look professional. It should look respectable. That's not going to fool any cop. Well, anyway, <laughs> hey, Rich, great call tonight, dude, and thank you very much for making it very informative. And uh, you can dial in too. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you ever had any experiences like Rich has, would love for you to uh, to add yours in here. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. If you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and buy some stuff at the Free Talk Live store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. Got uh, great Free Talk Live branded merchandise, original products you will not find anywhere else. Uh, if you go there, so we got T-shirts, we've got hats, hoodies, and more. All there at store.freetalklive.com. Let's continue with your phone calls. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Paula in Florida, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Paula. Yeah, hi, hon. Uh, there was talk earlier about this gun situation that we're in, and I sent a letter to the um, Supreme Court. And I addressed it to all the judges. You're talking about the one in Washington, Uh D.C., where they're uh, possibly going Uh to decide whether or not gun ownership is an individual or collective right? Well, it's what I told them, is that the Second Amendment cannot be infringed upon. Mm. And so, anyway, I addressed it to all the judges, and I said, you can lose your position as judge. I said, you've gone against your oath if you do anything, and I said, you could, and you also violate the Constitution. But now, who's going to uh, relieve them of their position as judge? Uh, it, they have to be, uh, somebody in the U.S. Attorney General's office has to go over there and remove them from their office. Well, that's or the they, problem, though, isn't it, Paula? I mean, no, they, they don't care. No, they know. They know the law. Yeah, but, but, but they don't they, care about the law. Wait a minute. I told them if they didn't do their job. They wouldn't have a job anymore. Oh, that's right. It's when Paula's on the phone that no, all of a I sudden mean, they the, shape the country, up, right? The country has a right to say this because this is the law. I'm, they I'm have with Paula. To their position. Hey, Paula, I have a question. Uh, when you're emailing or letter writing these people, are you doing it via snail mail and actually putting a stamp I on an envelope? Them first, and then I ask them to deliver it. To, I talk to the clerk of the court. I said, please give this to Judge Alito. I said, I will be mailing this, and I signed, you know, my family's name to it. And, I mean, the President Jackson's family, and they were very pleased that I sent it. And, uh... Paula? Paula? Oh, no! They've they, they gotten to her! <laughs> Finally, this the is, conspiracy this is what has happens. gotten her. 
Uh, yeah. Well, you know, Paula, I appreciate everything that sh- that you do. I, she I, sounds like she spends so much time contacting these people all day. I I'm mean, glad someone's got the time for it. I know I certainly don't, and I also don't feel like it really does much of anything. So, you know, I, I'm glad she feels like it makes a difference, and, and if that's what makes her feel good on the inside, I think that's what she should do. You, sh- you should pursue well, the path that, uh, that we makes you all, feel good. If we were all making efforts uh, as much as Paula is, then th- the country would be far different. Yeah, if, the, if she was sending this in and so were... A hundred million other people in the United States, it might do something. But the fact that it's her and just a few other people is probably not going to do a thing. Well, I mean, if if there were a hundred million people doing it, they wouldn't be able to open all the mail. So I don't know. There's a certain point of saturation at which it wouldn't matter anymore. I just don't know how much. I don't know how seriously they take those messages. Yeah, I don't even know if they actually read them. I know some people do. I think the more local politicians. They're more oh, likely to do it. I think they, they have someone at least read the subject, because I always get form letters back that at right. least relate to. It, it's usually not spot on, but it relates to at least. Yeah, but it's not the actual guy <laughs> that's reading those. It's um, some it's staffer, a, right? He has a stamp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, g- hey, but if Paula, I would never stand in her way. If that's what she wants to do, if she feels like it you know, makes her feel good inside, she should absolutely pursue that path. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, and the same thing applies to those people that want to go, wa- uh, you know, march in Washington D.C. If that's going to make you feel good on the inside, please go and participate in it. And maybe I'll be wrong, and it will actually make a difference. Maybe the news media will salivate all over the event and report, and give you all kinds of free coverage. I hope that happens. I really do. And of course, we'll uh, we'll continue to bring you updates as they occur. Is there someone there? Sounds like Paula. Paula? Paula? Yeah, I'm still here. There she is. Oh, my goodness, you There's returned. There's something I wanted to say, okay? My yeah. family helped write the Constitution, okay? Good. Good for you. Yep. And so, I mean, I'm having to stand up for this country, and, I mean, I'm fighting with everything I've got. I got the surveillance bill stopped. God now bless her. Now, what they're doing now is they're keeping track of what who everybody's calling, and if you call no, more they're than, not. Uh, you know, so many times, you're going to get in trouble. Anyway, I'm trying to get this stopped right now. Hmm. And I called representatives yesterday. Well, Paula, good luck. Thank you for the call tonight. As always, 800-259-9231. Hey, what here's... happened to the, uh, the, the the audio there? I don't know. It's just weird. You know, she lives in the middle of Florida. Anything can happen out there. That's true. There's uh, Florida's having some floods right now. Uh, I heard they had a power outage earlier today. Anyway, let's uh, continue the crazy Department of Motor Vehicle stories. Since we're on that topic this hour, uh, the Indiana Bureau of Motor Vehicles. It's not the department there. It's the bureau. Uh, man, apparently in Lake Station, a retired steel worker and longtime Indiana resident must change his name if he wants a driver's license, says the State Bureau of Motor Vehicles. How long has he, how old is this man? 65 years old. He's got to change his name. His okay. name is Francisco Mendez, and uh, the BMV informed him that he had to change his name from uh, to Francisco Mendez Vale to match his birth certificate, even though he follows the custom of his native Puerto Rico and right. does not use his mother's family name. Right, uh, Vale is his is not his last name, even though it looks like it might be from our custom. In many Spanish-speaking parts of the world, children are given both the father's and mother's family names, but generally only use the paternal name. He says, I've been Francisco Mendez for 65 years, said Mendez, who was born in Puerto Rico and raised in Gary, Indiana. I served in the military with that name, and I retired from U.S. Steel after 35 years with that name. The BMV, however, refused to issue Mendez a license because the name on his birth certificate did not match U.S. Social Security Administration records. And they don't have to. Which do not include the name Vale. 
He was required to present his birth certificate when he applied for an Indiana driver's license in December because he had an out-of-state license. The BMV said the birth certificate is in your name, uh, said the spokes bureaucrat there. It's the ultimate identifier. But you can go to court and change your name. However, BMV officials were meeting to research the law, said uh, one of the bureaucrats. We want to make sure if there is a policy change, it's one that can... These damn ads keep popping up. It's one that can be practically applied and not one that's going to put our customer service representatives in a difficult situation. They call them customer service representatives? <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's a ba- damn lie is what it is. Uh, the bureaucrats said in 2006 the BMV notified 206,000 Hoosiers, those are Indiana State residents, by the way, that information on their driver's licenses didn't match the federal database and some 60,000 of those discrepancies were corrected. Mendez says records for property and cars that uh, he owns are issued under the name Mendez. He's lived in Lake County for most of his life, except a five-year stint in Las Vegas after retirement. Uh, And then Francisco Mendez said the BMV branch office gave him a handwritten note that said his application for a license was pending, but said the document might not be accepted if he was stopped by a police officer. He says, I served this country under my father's name. It's not fair now that they're making me change my name for some bureaucratic reason. Well, when is it ever fair, Mr. Mendez? I mean, they have the power, and they're willing to exploit it over you. And what are they wasting their time doing this for? I mean, it's worked out so far for this guy. I mean, why now? Terrorism, Toby. Everything <laughs> changed after 9-11. And this is what we're paying our hard-earned tax have dollars they... for, is to employ people to go harass people like this poor guy? Yeah, have we need to match the feds. A, have they never seen a Puerto Rican in Indiana? I mean, I don't understand. This would not happen in, uh, in, Florida? in, in many, many states. So it's happening there, and well, I guess that's what these grants are getting going for. These homeland uh, security, security yeah. grants are going God to harass poor people like this. Just another sad story of someone who is going to be forced to jump through a bunch of government hoops just to live his life in the way that he wants to live it. So sad. It is. It's time we just stop dealing with these bureaucrats. They do not have authority over you or I. They're just people. They're people who are claiming to have Clearly power. unreasonable ones to, uh, uh, while you're at it. What's that? Um, clearly unreasonable people while yeah. you're at it. Well, that's what power does. It goes to your head. Yeah, and I don't think any of these people normally would treat anyone like this. It's the job they have that gives, that gives them a so-called right to do this. They think they have the right yeah. to harass this guy. I don't think that if it was just them at a regular business, say they worked at a private um, business, I don't think that they would be treating people like this. I just wonder, yeah, I think you're right about that, Toby. What would happen if this bureaucrat, as they were combing through their files, matching up names, what, what would happen if he came across like his mother's name? Would he just sort of adjust things in the computer for right. mom instead of sending her this harassing uh, notice? How would he handle that? I suspect that, uh, yeah, yeah. And pr- 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 probably pretty close to true. Right. That's that's because it's exactly what Toby said. In their personal lives, they're probably very amicable. They're probably very friendly with their with their close friends and their uh, and their relatives, and they wouldn't think of hurting them or threatening them with violence. But when they're on duty, then it's their job. I'm just doing my job, you know. The law is the law. It says I have to send you this notice here, and you're gonna have to change your name, sir. Sorry. Yeah. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to Pete in Missouri. Pete, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Evening, Pete. fellas. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I wanted to uh, tell you my experience with a an old uh, moving violation, traffic violation that uh, all of a sudden came back to haunt me 
Oh, great, and great. We're going to put you on hold and bring you back for that in hour two. So hang on, Pete. More with Pete, plus uh, Josh is on the line in New Hampshire. We'll take your calls as well. you got a nightmare story or just something completely different that you want to talk about. Make the call, and it goes 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. That's one 800 It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com as we launch into hour number two. Uh, we actually go right back into the phone calls because that's what this show is all about. Let's talk again to Pete in Missouri Pete, who was going to get into a story about uh, his parking ticket situation and how he handled that or what happened. So go ahead, sir. Well, it wasn't a parking ticket. It was a, a moving violation. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. What, what was the uh, story? Well, I, uh, this is how I fought it. It, uh, it was dated originally from the early 1970s from uh, Battle Bro, Vermont. Mm-hmm. And what I did was... Uh, and this was back in the 70s, is what you're saying? Is when this happened. Correct. Okay. Well, this, well I, uh, the ticket was dated. This just happened a few years ago, a couple of years ago. Well, what? You, how did you get a ticket from the 70s a couple of years ago? Well, I, it, 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 um, I got the ticket in the 70s, and I'm not even sure whether uh, it was paid for or what the, the problem was, but it came up on... Um, I got a phone call one day that... Uh, from a collection agency that uh, they were trying to collect on a ticket uh, from back then. And I can't believe that the, that they sold a ticket that that was that, that was that old. Wow. Well, well, here's what's happening. A lot of the uh, um, municipalities are now looking for uh, revenue. Sure. And they're, they're going always back, looking for that. And they're going back to the days when. Uh, uh, tickets before computerized tickets, they, everything was done on paper, and if if you didn't pay for it, oh well, they just made a a note of it somewhere where they're digging this information back up. Wow. I, now here's why. Here's how I fought it. I called the uh, the local prosecutor in the in the area, and um, I uh, uh, insisted that um, the person who wrote the ticket uh, <laughs> either made a mistake or um, you know I I. I objected to it from that angle that uh, that they would have to uh, have whoever uh, uh, wrote the ticket uh, voucher uh, uh, vouch for it or verify it. Now, hold on a second. You were in Missouri at the time, right? Or were you still in Brattleboro? No, uh, actually, the license that I um, had at the time was from another uh, northeastern state. Uh, from which I moved um, in 1975. Now, the way I think this came about is I, uh, after having uh, uh, moved uh, from the Northeast, um, I lived in one state for many years, and then I changed uh, states, and uh, it was at that time that this came up. And I was told that uh, um, what, um, uh, I don't know if the government's behind it, but... uh, 
They're looking into your past areas where you have previously lived, and they're checking for any outstanding uh, moving violations from the surrounding states. So the Brattleboro, Vermont police managed to, uh, they passed you off to a collections agency. The collections agency found you Correct. three decades later uh, living in a different state at that time. They came to you and said, you owe us, what was it they were claiming you owed at that point? Do you remember? Well, it was just for the speeding ticket plus, uh, you know, some fees. It was uh, about $200. It had only accrued to $200 over 30 years? Well, it, it was a, the original ticket, you know, this was 30 years ago. The original ticket was like uh, like $20 or $25. I mean, this was a speeding ticket 30 years ago. Still, though, I'm amazed. I mean, we just read a story in the beginning of the show, a woman who got a ticket uh, in Baltimore for $23, and only it took only a decade for it to go up to $1,100. So maybe maybe Brattleboro, Vermont, has just a much more easier-going uh, well, th- maybe increase. They just, maybe they just knew that, uh, that what they were doing was a bunch of silly uh, crap, and they were just trying to get their money Low for the ticket. It. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, poss- well, possibly. So you wrote them back, and you said, uh, you know what, just you know, have the person who wrote this show me some evidence or something, and what happened there? Well, I didn't write them back. I called the, the call. local prosecutor okay. uh, in the area, and uh, that's where you really have to go. You have to go to the local prosecutor and then appeal to them that it's you know it's not going to be that that you're not going to uh, that you want you want it verified. Uh, don't admit that you uh, you owe anything or that you even did anything wrong. Yeah. Just uh, and typically, you know, the person that wrote the ticket uh, is no longer even alive. employed. <laughs> yeah. Died, no longer employed. Uh, and as lo- uh, once you approach it from that way, you'll have a much better. Uh, uh, so, do you chance. know for sure that you had success? What did they say to you? Oh yeah, well they uh, um, they told. Uh, I, well, I appealed to the to the prosecutor, and the prosecutor said, uh, uh, "Fine. Well, uh, we um, we don't. The person's not. Uh, we can't produce them. Huh. The person that wrote the ticket." And that was the last I uh, ever heard from it. So you, so they, you, you aren't certain then whether or not they actually wiped it out. For all you well, know, they'll come back at you another five years. Well, I, at what you didn't get anything in writing. That's what I'm saying. Well, right? there's a bigger there, there's a bigger story to this. I uh, I applied for a driver's license, as I said, in another state, mm-hmm. and they were holding it up oh, because boy. Uh, my license application because of this uh, uh, outstanding moving violation. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, was that after you called the prosecutor or before, when you were uh, applying for the uh, the license in the other state? Well, yeah. Well, they held up the uh, um, um, the right. moving. Vi- they held up my license until uh, until uh, I called the prosecutor. Okay, so it was before. And and uh, about two weeks later, I went down and. Uh, uh, I uh, successfully got my driver's license. Good so, for you. Uh, Thank you for the story the tonight, Pete. We appreciate hearing from you, sir. 800-259-9231. Uh, you could take control of the airwaves, bring up anything. So there are various different ways to uh, to go about this. I think I think in that case with Brattle World, they were just fishing for something. Yeah, they were fishing. Well, most people are, are going to pay it. They're going to say, oh, gosh, the government. Oh, no. Yeah, a lot of people might actually think that's even funny. It's like kind of like an old library card. And, you know, the sheepish people out there that we... We seem to live right. with. Yeah, exactly. So I like uh, I like Rich's approach. In fact, I emailed him to see if I can get some examples of the letters he was talking about sending, basically telling the government, look, as soon as you show me the agreement that we signed together saying I'd pay you for these park, you know, paying 
I pay to park here, then by all means, I'll pay for you. You know, I'll pay for this ticket. What if they were flooded with stuff like that? If if I started doing that and then it started to spread, I mean, they're getting uh, the first couple of times the bureaucrats would open up the mail and be like, well, what's this? But yeah. 20, 25, 50 times. I'm going to try it, Toby. And <laughs> I'll try it too. Email me, forward it to me as yeah, well. I'll, I mean, I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, so let's continue with your phone calls. Bring up whatever you want. It's Josh in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Josh. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I get the impression you guys really don't like the fact that uh, the government is you know, collecting all these databases about people. Or Who could like that? Or you're not too keen on databases in general, just people collecting your personal information. Oh, no, right? I have no problem with uh, the grocery store knowing my name and address. I voluntarily gave that information to them for the, the benefit of getting discounted prices. So I have no problem when I voluntarily decide, yes, I'd like to share my information with you. Uh, but when government's out there surreptitiously uh, forming uh, evil, scary databases, then I have a problem. Because I know the grocery store isn't going to come and round me up in the middle of the night while the government well, might just do that. Well, ponder this for a minute. Um, I find analog phone books to be cumbersome and ineffective, so I use an Internet phone book. Sure, so do I. Looking, I was looking up a friend's number, and a link came up in red, because I guess it was unlisted. I clicked on it, and it brings me to this site, IntelliGist.com, People Search. Mm-hmm. Basically, for the low price of $50 or 45 if you're a club member, you can purchase just about any information you would want on any individual. did a search for myself. And for $50, anybody can buy whatever information they want on me, including statewide criminal check, bankruptcies and liens, my address history. They have at least seven addresses I've had in the past. Yeah. Sex offender checks, small claims and judgments, relatives and associates. They think that really, I think, is unnecessary. Well, information is a huge information industry. information on my neighbors, my neighborhood info, any aliases I've had. It's not unnecessary if you're trying to find somebody. I mean, if you're trying to find someone that owes you money or has uh, done you wrong or is just a long-lost friend or relative, for instance, then that information can be very useful. It's proven to be very helpful with adoptive families and stuff, people looking for their birth parents. Right. And, and you know, the fact is, uh, if you want to keep your information private, you have to jump through some hoops. It can be done, uh, but it takes effort and it takes money to keep your information private. The more stuff you, you just sort of let out there, the more these information collection companies are going to just vacuum it right up and uh, put it into their databases. More on the way. This is your show. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so uh, enjoy those on us. You can enjoy the wiki, over 1,500 pages created by listeners just like you. Get interactive at wiki.freetalklive.com. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com and do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Now, we had a few moments on the go a caller, uh, Josh, who was very concerned about privacy. Very concerned about, uh, for instance, he found one of the, the multitudes, but there are a bunch of these websites, multitudes of websites online, uh, that for a fa- uh, very small fee will allow you to have access to all kinds of uh, private, what you thought might be private information about your life. Uh, as he was mentioning, 
the website he was on claimed that it would show him the last seven locations that he lived. Uh, you know, Which isn't that terribly that uh, valuable information from what I can tell. I mean, what difference does it make w- w- that you know my old address? But I understand why people find this disturbing. I, I understand. You know, they yeah. don't realize that that volume of information is being collected on them, and yeah. it can be a little unsettling to to find that out. I know. I was surprised the first time I figured it out for myself uh, many, many years ago. It's and I can't imagine what's available now. Um, but yeah, it's it's a stalker's paradise out there. Well, the more you're in the system. The more you, uh, the, you know, the less care you take with your privacy, the more of your information is going to be out there. The more these database uh, companies, these private information collectors uh, and sellers are going to just vacuum it up and put it uh, available online. In fact, uh, Zabasearch.com is one of them that'll give you a bunch of free info. You can just go in there, type your name in, and uh, just see what pops up. It, it's very interesting. But as I said before. There, there are ways to uh, retain your privacy, even in this day and age. Now, it's getting more and more difficult, especially to retain your privacy from government people uh, as, as time goes on, but it, but it still is possible. And as I was saying before, it doesn't frighten me if the grocery store knows where I live. It, that doesn't frighten me because I know that Price Chopper uh, is not going to come here in the middle of the night and threaten my life. Maybe you'll get some new, nice coupons. <laughs> right, that's the worst that's going to happen. Is they're going to, you know, sell my name and my address, and someone's going to send me a credit card offer. Yeah, okay, junk mail's annoying, but it's not going to put me in a jail cell. Whereas that's what government could do. When when government has private information, when government has address information and information on people, they inevitably use it against you. That's what you know. That's their job. They uh, they hurt people and they harm people's lives and they uh, they they wreck people's uh, freedom. So having private information in government's hands is dangerous. But then again. If you don't want it to get into government's hands, you have to stop it from getting into the private people's hands, too. right? So you have to have all-around privacy protection. And that takes effort, and it takes time. There's some basic things you can do to put a, uh, a nice insulating layer of privacy into your life without actually having total privacy. One of the things I recommend most highly is that you acquire what's called a private mailbox. Now, don't be confused. There's a difference between a private mailbox and a post office box. Now, the difference is the post office box is run by the well, the government, right? The or post at least office. a quasi-government agency. Who is definitely in cahoots with the other government agencies. I mean, the fact is, the post office has requirements to where if you come in and buy money order, uh, a money order at the post office, and you look funny. And they don't like you or whatever. They get a bad vibe from you. They can write you up and report you to the treasury. Now, your average money order generating location like an Amscot or a Walmart, they don't have those requirements. They do have a requirement to report you if you go over like $800 to get your license information. But as far as, you know, suspicious characters, they don't have any way to to track that or write anything down. So, you know, it's best if you do as little business as possible with the post office, and that includes buying a post office box. And plus, there's another reason. Uh, you can't send UPS or FedEx packages to post office boxes. So what the hell would you want one of those for? Private mailboxes can receive all the packages from any private shipper. Right. It doesn't matter how big it is. and they'll, I mean, they've got a store there. If right. it doesn't fit in the box, they could pile it up and back. Right. They, they keep it there, and it's under you know, a watchful eye to where it's not just sitting out on your front porch, uh, you know, this valuable laptop computer or whatever it is that you've ordered, just sitting there you know, by your front door. I don't know what your crime rates are. They're not that, they're not that high around here, but you never know, right? So uh, it gives you that level of, uh, of safety for the products that you're having delivered to your mailbox. 
but also it gives you an insulating barrier between your actual location and where you receive your mail. I mean, if you want to find somebody, the first thing you're going to do is try to find their address, and then you're going to go there, right? Well, if you go to the uh, the mail, now it's not going to, it's not foolproof. Anybody that really wants to find you, look, let's make this clear. If someone wants to find you, they're going to find you. If they're willing to spend the money and they have the resources, for instance, to hire private investigators, or maybe they just have the time to sit in a car and wait around for you to come to your mailbox, they can find you. So don't fool yourself. If you live like a normal life, yes. Yeah, if you live in, if, unless you're totally ultra-privacy, living in some shack in the woods, for instance, then uh, you know you are going to be found by someone that wants to. But the average person, not going to If you're on the grid to. still. If yeah, if you're on the grid in some way. And that's another way. That's another suggestion, by the way. So the mailbox gives you that layer of uh, a barrier between your actual home location and your mailbox. And it's also convenient, too, if, you, if you're a renter and you move around a lot. If you've got a mailbox, you don't have to change any of the bill delivery locations. You know, your credit card bills can keep going to the mailbox. You don't have to worry about changing all that info yeah. when you move. That's true. Every time I still move a lot, I'm just out of college, so still moving around. And every time I'm like, did I change my address? Will Will I get my next credit card statement? <laughs> For the two hundred bucks a year that it's going to cost to have a mailbox, the convenience of having the the packages held for you and all of that. Plus the the you know not inconveniencing yourself when you move it's well worth it to me that's you know that's that's how I see things the other one is the uh, the aspect of utilities right because that's one of the ways government people are going to find you is by your registration you're giving you know the cable company your social security number they've got your name they've got your address and this one's a little trickier if you're a renter it's pretty easy if you're a renter you can just pay your landlord cash mm-hmm. And basically, you know, make a deal with your landlord prior to moving into the house. Say, hey, look, you know, I, uh, I, I need my, I like my privacy, and I, I would just like to, uh, to, to pay you in cash for these utilities. Look, if you're worried, I'm going to screw you. I'll just pay you in advance several hundred dollars, and you can credit me or something like that. Do whatever you can to keep your name off of those utilities. And if your name's not on the utilities, and you're not having mail sent to that house, then the only way someone's going to be able to find you there is by following you. Then you just have to get paranoid about if people are following you or not at that point, right? Yeah. So those are two real easy aspects to cover. When I, when I say real easy, they're relatively simple to make happen. But remember, this takes effort and it costs money. Right. If you aren't willing to expend the effort to learn about how to protect your privacy and to learn about you know the different ways that your privacy can be compromised and to insulate yourself, well, then you won't, you won't have it. It takes effort. You don't have a right... To privacy. I'm sorry, but you don't. Right, because then you'd have a right to my knowledge. And if I happen to know where you live, you don't have the right to that knowledge. Now, when it comes to the the government, it would be nice if the government respected your right to privacy. It's supposed to be there to serve you. Right, but they don't. And it's the same thing about your blinds on your house. If you're leaving your blinds open, walking around naked, are you going to be surprised if somebody complains? You don't have privacy if you're letting yourself be seen. You have to make sense, common yeah. sense. You right. have to go through the steps. And Your mom doesn't work here. Right. Sometimes they're a pain. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. Big welfare program to tell you about involving your television set. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. The 
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features there are totally free. Uh, including the archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just go click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. Enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use the code FTL to save 10 bucks. That's LegalZoom.com. We go to your phone calls. It's Lotus in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Lotus. Hey, guys. Hey. I, uh... What's on your mind? I was actually having a thought experiment with some of my friends, yes. and I wanted to get your uh, take on it. All right. Okay. So we're having these things about the government sending tickets and uh, all this sort of thing to collect money or something like that. So suppose there was an individual who ignored them, just treated them like a nuisance, but this person had superpowers. And so they ha- the government had no monopoly on force, and they were completely more powerful than them, but they were content just to leave everyone alone. What do you think would happen? I mean, how far would it go before they gave up and they changed the law, things like that? It's just a Let me see if I'm understanding like, what you're saying. You're saying the uh in theory, this, you know, little uh world that we're creating, this man yeah. that is being targeted by the government with a parking ticket or whatever has superpowers and he ignores the government. You're saying what would happen at that point? Yes, what would happen? Obviously the police would try and come. Uh, he would defend himself. He would not initiate force. He would be a, a perfect uh, libertarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the question is, how far do you think the government would go? Would they try sending missile-led house? Uh, that, 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 up I don't know. Quickly. I mean, it's over it's, a parking ticket. It's so far far out of. I mean, you know, with the super uh, human, you're you're talking about something out of the realm of possibility. So it's difficult to to you know decide. Well, what are his superpowers? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just assume Superman. Um, for... Let's say he's Superman, but has no weakness to kryptonite. Well, the government doesn't have any... And he can anyway. shoot lasers from his eyes. That's what Superman can do. He can? Heat vision. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, he can't shoot lasers, but he can control sharks with lasers mounted to their heads. <laughs> How far would the government push it? Yeah, that's a good question. So is it Superman that's uh, gotten in trouble here, or is it Clark Kent? Uh, no, let, let, it's... It's just some random guy who has Superman-like powers. I see. I, I don't think... I mean, it would, now, does the government know? I mean, do the government people know that he's Superman? No, he needs to maintain his secret identity. Okay, well, in that case... They're coming at him, I think. Right, ben. let's make it more serious, then. Let's talk about, like, the Ed Brown situation, where he, uh, you know, the IRS is after him for uh, back taxes. And they obviously took Ed Brown pretty seriously. They uh, they they raided his home, uh, basically, with armed uh, members of their team. Uh, so they definitely were willing to sh- to use a show of force. It just took it took them about eleven months with Ed Brown, and Ed Brown's an old man in his uh, in his sixties, uh, living with his wife, and they were they were pretty uh, careful with how they approached Ed. Now, of course, that a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was surrounded by people that that cared and and were watching and were paying attention. Plus, a lot of it had to do with the the fact that the internet's out there to where people could find out about Ed Brown in the first place instead of it being like a Ruby Ridge where nobody knew what was going on until after the fact uh so if you're dealing with something like that then the government is going to make a move but if, as soon as this super guy shows his strength if he well, shows his strength they're gonna yeah they're gonna attack him i mean the government's gonna going to initiate force at some point and then since he's a good libertarian he can respond um in whatever manner he wishes 
Yes, uh, but you know, presumably he might give them a, a fair warning and say, you know, look, I've got these superpowers and I will crush you. I think if, if they're you... given a fair warning, the bureaucrats are gonna act like bureaucrats and not try to pick a fight they can't win. Uh, that's exactly where I was going. If they are aware of who they are up against, they will back down if they believe they can't. Uh, if they can't win, they're a bunch of cowards. You yeah. have to remember that. I mean, bullies are at their heart cowards. Uh, and that's what these bureaucrats are. They're just a big gang of uh, bullies. So if you can stand up to them effectively, as this superhero would, would presumably be able to, uh, they would just sort of whistle and look the other way as he got away with uh, violation after violation. I don't think they would try anything. Okay, well answer. then let's just modify the situation a bit. All right, let's great. say the superhero just wanted to get Mark to take off his shirt. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be hard. It's all he needs a couple bucks. Yeah, thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Jamie in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jamie. Hi. Hey, what's on your mind? I'm calling because uh, the uh, regional transportation district in uh, Colorado is taking out uh, people who own land in uh, a lot of uh, low-income housing projects and uh uh, owners of businesses to uh, put up a light rail from uh, the downtown area, and it's mm. going to go up through the uh, west side of uh, the metro area. Oh, boy. Uh, is anybody and, uh, trying to fight this, or are they just rolling over? And Oh, yeah, it's been all over the news. A lot of people are, are outraged, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be riots over it. Riots? Oh, oh yeah. come people, on. People, people, people that I've talked to that own land say they're willing to die for their land. Well, if that's true... I uh, I'm definitely interested in following this situation because if people are absolutely willing to defend their property rights to the point where they're willing to stand in front of bulldozers and and refuse to move, then I would love to see something like that go down and see how uh, see how it uh, pans out. It, it ties right back into the the sort of theoretical scenario we were talking about before, and that is if you continue to stand up. I mean, obviously we're talking in the world of uh, superheroes, but. But in the real world, if you've got a powerful enough group of people that refuse to do business with the government, that refuse to obey their absurd diktats, but are refusing in a nonviolent fashion, uh, if there's enough of them, then the government will become impotent. They can't possibly go after a whole bunch of people. It was just like, like Toby was saying, if, if all of a sudden a bunch of people in one area decided to just stop uh, paying these parking tickets and basically gave them the, the same excuse that we were talking about earlier, that, hey, I never signed an agreement that said I would pay these, they, they would be flummoxed. The bureaucrats wouldn't know what to do. They're so used to people being obedient and bending over for their every single demand. Once people stop being so obedient, how will they handle it? They won't know what to do. Exactly it, and all all our uh, fallen soldiers, everybody who's fought for this country, it, it, what's it all about when the government can just take it all over and take it away from you? Exactly. So this is where is this in Colorado that this is happening? Um, it's going to be going up through the uh, downtown Denver area. It's going to go up through uh, uh, Edgewater and Lakewood, and it's going to continue on through the wow. mountains. So they are uh, so they're basically taking business owners, ho- uh, homeowners, property they're, all, all they're over. Taking, they're taking all the land that they need to build this light rail. And it's taxpayer-funded, right? It's not a private... Taxpayer-funded. And they're not only going to do that, but they're going to build a mall where actually an entire apartment complex is of uh, low-income citizens. Oh, jeez. Just we're, we're talking about We're talking about ex-Vietnam vets and uh, people you know, that have fought for the country, and they're, they're living in these houses they're going to be taken away from. 
Well, you know, the Supreme Court backed him up a few years ago in the Kelo versus New London court decision, so the bureaucrats are going to feel very justified in doing this. They've got all the power of the state on their side, and, and it's, it really is going to take courage on the part of these property owners. The, what we saw when it came to the Kelo case was one person after another dropping out. Uh, so if they can't stay strong and stay, and stay together, then they're going to just, you know, they're going to die off separately in this particular case. And, you know, I don't mean really die, but uh, they'll lose. And they'll they'll be whittled down their forces one by one. Right, and that's that's kind of how the way it, the way it goes is uh, you know it, it's hard for a person to stay you know like they care they just emotionally at some point or another they just won't care anymore. The bureaucrats they go to work they get paid this is their job mm-hmm. you know they do the they this, can really uh, wait you out right and that's what they they've got unlimited funds and at some point or another you're gonna die and then it's your children that are gonna have to take um, take over this fight and they don't have any emotion for well, it. One thing's for damn sure those property owners that are having their property threatened they absolutely should stop paying property taxes right now. I mean, if you're going to make a stand on your property and say, hey, you can't take this from me, well, what in the hell, don't pay them, don't help them. Don't help them take their, you know, your property from you. Refuse to pay them. That's, what, that's how I would approach it because you know, the fact is they're going to come in there and say, well, this is our property anyway, right? So why should you pay them? Keep as much money as you can because it's going to cost you uh, at least something to put up this defense and to fight off this uh, this tyranny of eminent domain. Thanks for the call tonight. Let us know if, uh, if more happens with that case. Very interesting. Uh, and I, I really get, wish them the best of luck. This is a tough battle we are fighting against these power-mongering freaks, these government people. 800-259-9231. Why can't they just behave like adults? More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Entering Amazon through that link will result in a percentage of your purchase going to Free Talk Live. It's that simple. You've got to buy stuff to live. You've got to buy luxury items to enjoy, like DVDs and books, for instance. Uh, But they've got 41 categories to shop in. I ordered some um, Mexican food recently over Amazon. Gourmet food. They've got bulk food, too, now. Uh, So go to amazon.freetalklive.com. And get your shopping done. Feel good. You're getting a great deal. Uh, many cases, free Super Saver shipping, and you're helping Free Talk Live out all at the same time. Really, what what shopping experience could be better? Amazon.freetalklive.com to your phone calls. Let's talk to Nick in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Nick. Nick in Georgia going once. Hello. Nick. Hello. You're on the air. What's on your mind? I'm on again. Nick, this is Mac. Oh, Mac. They, uh, sometimes the phone screeners don't ask people to spell their names. Uh, go ahead, Mac. What's on your mind tonight? Um, all right. Um, came across an article in in town about a psychedelic drug ring busted. The Ooh. the um Champ County County Narcotics Team. <laughs> now, these are officers who are who are pulled from the different departments in um in in Champ County, and they report straight to the county commissioner. Mm-hmm. And they are basically one of the drug enforcement um departments in town. But um, they busted a quote-unquote drug ring. They arrested 22 suspects, and wow. a good um majority of them are college students. They go to the, they attend the local college art and um, design. 
So this is going to put a stop to it, isn't it, Mac? This is going to end the flow of drugs into uh, the county that you live in, in in Georgia there, down there, right? <laughs> You're kidding, right? No, of course I am. It's ludicrous to believe that. I mean, it might put a dent in the, the trade for a short time, but somebody's going to step right back in. Someone's going to step in there to take up all those customers that, that are looking for those Mark. psychedelics, and uh, business will be good again for whoever that is that's willing to step in. Mark, I got news for you, man. They do this. This is every year. Around this time, every year they have this. They bust some people. You're saying around around the same time? Around the same time, every year. As soon as they bust, as soon as they bust a bunch of kids at um at this school, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the full name, but um. I imagine what they have is they've got undercover operatives in the actual, you know, pretending they're students actually at the colleges and sort of working the the uh, the networks of college students. Because when you're on a college campus, and I, I've never actually lived on a college campus, but I've known some people who have, uh, you know, m- many of them are relatively small. And so people know other people and word gets around, uh, you know, as to who's got the drugs and uh, they you know they, they normally they leave the kids alone in many areas uh, i there used to be a liberal arts college down in sarasota florida where it, everybody knows everybody knows there's drugs all over that campus uh, but they the, the cops the campus cops tend to leave them alone i guess that's not the case uh where you live uh, because it sounds to me like they are they are being infiltrated on a yearly basis but um let me tell you some of the stuff they found okay do chocolate covered mushrooms mm. butterflies Butterscotch flavored marijuana. Wow, that's um, unusual. How the hell do you do that? I don't believe that one. How do you? They, how do you they feel? Dip, they dip it in the flavoring and everything. They dip, hmm. they dip the mushrooms in the chocolate. And no, I believe the the, the chocolate covered mushrooms, but b- b- butterscotch marijuana. Yeah, I mean it was a trip. I, I saw some of the pictures, like. And maybe it's some kind of a scientific student here uh, doing yeah, some kind of a, a science experiment. Yeah, interesting. I mean, they, they had LSD. They had a little bit of everything. And like I said, you know, this college is not just one big campus. They, what this college has done, they brought a lot of um, old hotels and um, houses and stuff. And the, the campus as a whole is spread out. It's spread out all over the city. So you got, you know, you got, you go down, matter of fact, I live down the street from one of their buildings, a couple of the buildings now. You know, how much did they get, Mac? I mean, how much LSD did they find? Did they say how many hits there were? Uh, instead of a couple hundred. That's child's uh, play. <laughs> they're dealing with low-end distributors, and they're probably acting like it's a big deal, yeah, aren't take, they? Taking a whole year they to 50, collect they the paycheck. Worth of cash. Yeah. yeah. But, and that's uh, a ring. That's, was, that's scattered between 22 different people? They said they had about 100 um, selling in restaurants, so I don't know if they caught everybody. Yeah. They just had a list of 22 names in here. Right. But, oh, um, big deal. Now we've ruined the lives of a bunch of college kids. Yay, go pat yourselves on the back, coppers. Yeah, and how many man hours did these cops waste? Right. Uh, the, probably a whole year looking at these kids and uh, watching them, collecting a government salary to... To get this, setting up video cameras, can't going even pay undercover. for themselves. I mean, at least oh, most task oh, forces mistake. pay for themselves. Go ahead, Mac. You know, I just, you know, I misstated something. They found a, they see the half a pound of marijuana, seventeen hits of LSD, fifty mushrooms, an unspecified amount of cocaine, and DMT. Yeah, that's nothing. Sounds like one guy's stash. Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> hey, hey, great story, man, and thank you for one the call. Thing, one more thing. One yes, thing, yes, one thing. yes. One more thing yes. before you. You're, you're um, here. Go ahead. I mentioned the story about the um about the husband 
who was held at gunpoint trying to get her, trying to get his wife to the hospital because she had a reaction to the medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to comment on that real quick. You know, I do some, I do security on occasion and everything. I'm having some legal problems, so I can't. I, I lost my certification for the year 2008. Okay. As an officer, being police officer, so I can't do that right now. I still have a military certification, but anyways, um, you, listeners, you have to be careful around the police. Oh yeah. You don't know that already. You know, I have I've been in some situations where I will come up on the scene, and I'm outnumbered myself to about 20 people. You know, have you know had the victim, the, the aggressor, and you have all the family members hold around. You know, they're ready to fight. And sometimes I come up on the scene in the area where I'm doing security at. You know, I'm by myself, and chaos reigns supreme, and stuff slows down. Time slows down a lot. Oh, I understand. The problem with the story you're referring to was uh, this is where the police officers arrived on the scene with a family that was trying to get to the hospital. They pulled, uh, they drew down on the family and prevented them from leaving uh, because they were told by the dispatcher. Uh, that they had heard, you know, yelling in the background. So the dispatcher presumed there was a domestic violence incident going on. And if they, right, if they would actually call in and report a domestic violence incident, then that would be one thing. But nobody called to report a domestic violence incident. So the reason the police responded so inappropriately was because they were misinformed uh, by this miscommunication. These these people should not be jumping to conclusions about what's going on just because they hear some commotion in the background. I think that was yeah, the major uh, that's problem. What I'm saying is you, some things can get misinterpreted very easily. And I'm not defending the police because I do think that was just dead wrong. Yeah, well, the problem you know, is... I've when, been in a situation where I almost, threw cuffs on, I almost handcuffed a couple of people for assault, doing security, you know, arrested them. And then, you know, I had to step back from the situation and talk to the person that looked like the look very well like the suspect because if somebody not that cold. Well, that's good. You know, when, when you're communicating, it's different. I think a lot of these cops, they jump to conclusions and they presume they're dealing with someone violent without even trying to really assess the situation. And, Mac, yeah. as always, thank you for the call tonight, dude. 800-259-9231. That is the uh, the cycle CAI told Yeah, well, I'm all for the cops asking questions and right. um, incidents you, like that. Right, you come in it's and you just start... Listening to the answers that I, you know, sometimes I don't feel they do. Right, I don't think they're asking questions. I think the cops in the case we're talking about, they arrived on the scene, they were told it was a domestic violence situation, they jumped to the conclusion that, that it was, and they just started barking orders. They rolled out of their car, pulled their guns on the family, and just started, yeah, get out of the car, hands in the air, you know, all that. There was no uh, ascertaining what the situation was. And again, it, it really goes back to the fact it seemed that... To, one of them it seemed to get pushed over the edge when they saw, uh, you know, the, when the woman handed him uh, a deceased sister's uh, driver's license, right? Is that the same? That was a different situation. Oh, I'm sorry. Different situation. But either way, you know, communication is very important, not just in uh, your relationship with your loved ones, but also uh, total strangers, especially ones packing heat uh, and willing to use it. So, 1-800-259-9231, and the story about the, the college campus. Yeah. <laughs> the, what really baffles me about this one is the fact that they can't even pay for themselves. I mean, uh, the great thing about vice crimes is it's supposed to at least, for the cops, generate revenue. Uh, taxpayers are, shouldn't have to pay for these cops to do their job and while they're working the year or so it takes to round these people up. And then the cops don't even bust enough to get it. I mean, at least a lot of the time we're looking at these stories and they're like, well, we got 
$200 million. It was a drug ring, Toby. A drug ring. Drug ring. 22 people. Coming up with $5,000 cash. A couple of kids with a few hits of acid and a half a pound of marijuana. It's a joke. That's that's <laughs> that's half a day's supply for the campus. Yeah. yeah you're probably right about that. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. Knowing the college kids I've known, yeah, you're right about that. All right, Hour 3 is coming up. You can take control. A huge government welfare program that has to do with the world of television. That is, that anybody with the television qualifies? We'll explain that and take your calls about anything. Hour 3 is on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the third hour of the program that we are launching into here, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you is 1-800-259-9231. That is, again, 800 259 9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. That is the point of the show. We take your calls about anything if you make them, and we will start your uh, this hour with your calls. Let's go to Kevin in Minnesota. Kevin, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind? A uh, couple things. First thing I want to talk to is uh, yesterday you guys were talking about Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, Mark's uh, Mark's a believer, Kevin. Okay. Um, as, have you ever heard of the Anishinaabe people? No. The Anishinaabe people were the early Native Americans or early Americans that went from the East Coast up into Canada, down towards New York, all the way across to the Mississippi River and up into Canada. Okay. They were called the Anishinaabe in their language or the Algonquian language classification. I've heard that word. Okay. Well, we have the legend of Bigfoot, and it wasn't called Bigfoot, and I was trying to look up the actual Ojibwe word. It's anything like Sasquatch? <laughs> it's not Sasquatch. That's uh, We have our own word for it, and I couldn't find it because I, I am Native American. That's okay. It's just trivia, but go ahead. But the reason why I brought this up is that the Anishinaabe people, and a lot of people don't know this, were smelting and using copper for over 10,000 years. Mm. And this is if you look into uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, you can find these ancient copper mines. There's also allegations that I can't recall to substantiate it, that some of this copper was also found in Egypt, that they tested it with the copper there and the copper from the copper mines in uh, in the Minnesota. Well, You're uh, saying the Indians shipped their copper to Egypt? No, they were... Well, it's allegations that the Egyptians actually came here to early America thousands and thousands of years ago, even before Columbus knew of the so-called Indian passage. But I just wanted they, to... They sailed across the entire uh, the Thor, entire ocean? Thor Helgadar pr- proved that it could be done. Well, it's, okay. yeah, if you, uh, if you were to go to the tip of Africa and you were to uh, just jump in a big enough yacht and the actual current, you know, the same pathways that the hurricanes come from, mm-hmm. they follow the tip of Africa, and it's and I can't remember what the, the Gulf Stream is, 
but it comes all the way across and it brings you right into the Caribbean. All right. So, presu- so what's the point, Kevin? Well, the point I'm I'm bringing is I just want to validate with Mark that I too am a believer <laughs> because our ancestors talk about them, and the the Bigfoot people were called the protectors of the wilderness. They were they were known to help people that were lost in the woods. They were also known to guard over uh, the areas of where the um, and I hate the word sacred, but very uh, useful herbs were used for traditional medicines and stuff. But there's many stories of the the Bigfoot character and stuff. You know, I don't deny that there uh, there could possibly be some sort of uh, woodland creature that has not yet been discovered. It just seems like it'd be relatively easy to discover a woodland creature that is the size of a human being, uh, and yet no one has really ever been able to come up with any real persuasive evidence. Toby, there's a professor in Idaho that has plenty of persuasive evidence. There's plenty of crackpots out there, Mark. Uh, Toby, what's your th- uh, how do you feel about the, uh, the issue of uh, Bigfoot? It's a nice story. Well, I mean, you know, there was one uh, spotted here in Cheshire County in 2004. Yeah. Right here in Cheshire County. There's a lot of people on drugs in Cheshire County. But yeah, what do they do in the wintertime? Bigfoot? Yeah. It was really cold out last night. I think it got down to two degrees here. Where did he shelter? I don't know. I'm up in uh, Moorhead, Minnesota. We're about two and a half hours from the Canadian border. Yeah. Where do they they go in the wintertime? Do they migrate south like birds? Um, I mean, actually, that, that I couldn't tell you whatsoever. It's just that, you know, if I was a somewhat intelligent creature and I knew the commonalities of what the so called humane beings do to things would you want to be captured good point kevin thanks for the call tonight 800-259-9231 didn't the guy who uh supposedly create bigfoot come out on his deathbed and say that it was all a big that was joke? loch ness that was oh. the loch ness monster i thought there was one about bigfoot too i watched on tv There's too years many pe- ago <laughs> there are too many people that claim bigfoot's real I mean, loch ness is all in one place so yeah. no one else can claim that they see loch ness in you know lake erie for instance uh, but you know, right. the, there's there there are sightings of Bigfoot all over America, including down in uh, the Florida Everglades, where they call it a skunk ape. I I guess you could claim that if uh, you know if you're covered in hair, you're essentially a furry animal, and so therefore maybe maybe the the cold weather wouldn't be a big hey, deal. I, mean, I I guess anything's possible, but I haven't seen a shred of proof yet that's going to convince me. Maybe you're just not looking hard enough, Toby. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm not looking hard enough. It's true. I, I can I'm, be convinced. I, I, I can. Pose if I would, had enough time on my hands, I could go through a whole shred of evidence that might convince me. But as of right now, it's it's not really worth my time. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I, I mean, well, I'm was, not saying that it's it's, it's it doesn't uh, occupy every waking moment. You're not posting <laughs> on a thought. You're not thoughts. posting on a uh, bulletin board about the uh, the Bigfoot market. No, in I'm your just free saying time. that it, it makes perfectly good sense. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of credible people out there that have seen the. Um, it's worldwide the, though. I mean, they have the Yeti, which is essentially the. I guess that's how he survives. I mean, the Yeti is in Tibet, up in the mountains, and supposedly. Yeah survives there now mark um, you've got uh your insulating bought, layer of blubber you bought like 11 <laughs> acres of property recently out in the middle of nowhere uh and so are you planning on maybe taking a few weekend excursions and hunting around looking for tracks uh, bigfoot tracks yeah i've already seen them <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there were some tracks that i i really couldn't identify them uh moose right, right across there you the go. <laughs> They're moose. Could have been or anything. bears. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's funny. I was talking to, to uh, one of the, the locals here in Cheshire County, and they were talking about uh, Florida and how awful it is because alligators uh, roam free and are, are going to chew your leg off if you uh, don't, don't keep your eye out. And as scared as uh, 
people up north are fr- of alligators is how I feel about moose. Yeah, I'd actually rather uh, face off with an alligator than a moose. Because You're not facing off with an alligator. <laughs> yeah, you're running away from him. <laughs> he's just he's sleeping. He, but he's not going to do anything to you. Moose during mating season are very dangerous and aggressive. So, yeah, beware. All right, let's talk welfare. The story is from the Associated Press, and if you are in the world of television, or you're a television viewer, you probably have gotten gotten word about this little offer on the part of the uh, the government using your taxpayer dollars. Millions of $40 government coupons became available last month to help low-tech television owners buy special converter boxes for old televisions that might not work after the switch to digital broadcasting. Beginning February 18, 2009, anyone who does not own a digital set and still gets their programming via over-the-air antennas will no longer receive a picture. That's the day the television industry completes its transition from old-style analog broadcasting to digital broadcasting. The converter boxes are expected to cost between $50 and $70, and will be available at most major electronics retail stores. Starting uh, last month, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration will begin accepting requests for two $40 coupons per household to be used toward the purchase of the boxes. I remember a long time ago, my dad was talking to, uh, back when my dad was more liberty-oriented than he is today, uh, my dad was talking to some guy and about, you know, where is your line in the sand? He was he was asking this guy, this government is getting so big, so intrusive. What is it going to take for the average American to finally say, that's it. I've had enough of this. And the guy came back and he said, you know, they took away my TV. <laughs> and that's what they're about to do. But they found a way around um, upsetting so many people. But that's what they're about to do. All the people with uh, with over the air television, which aren't very many, it can't be too many. I mean, maybe, maybe well, the, uh, the cable's got seventy percent pr- uh, penetration. Well, Directv and uh, disc uh, disc television or whatever it's called. Yeah, they probably snagged a bunch of that thirty percent. Sure, they I know have, that when you guys were first talking about this, when the news first broke, you guys were citing numbers around thirteen percent uh, households would be affected by this. Is that right? Good memory, Toby, because I <laughs> no I believe it was that. somewhere around there. Uh, it just it, it baffles me, but uh, so one those, in ten. But those people um, that have Dish networks and that kind of thing often get their local news from over the air, yeah, right? From over the air, and I don't know how people use it. I, even being in, a, you've got to be in a pretty urban area to be able to use but, rabbit ears and get anything. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the SACL CAI toll free line. More about this welfare program. Forty dollar coupons being offered to every single American by the federal government, and you're paying for it. The TV switchover is coming next year. We'll talk about it. It's free talk live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those, including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just go and download it for free right there on the front page of the website, freetalklive.com. Don't beg. Don't fight and don't depend on democracy. The only way to get your liberty is to build it for yourself. Read Freedom Engineering, an anarcho-capitalist adventure series at freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. 1-800-259-9231. Talking about the government welfare program that all Americans who have a over-the-air television set 
uh, will qualify to receive if they uh, if they ask for it. This from the Associated Press. According to them, uh, starting, let's see, yeah, I guess it's right now, starting last month, uh, people at the, the bureaucrats at the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, did you even know that one existed? I never even heard yeah. of them before. You did? I have heard, I've heard of them before, yes. Huh. I, I mean, I've heard of the FCC, but never that one. Anyway, uh, they're accepting requests for up to two $40 coupons per household to be used toward the purchase of converter boxes, which will essentially, the purpose of the box is that if you've got a, an old TV that's not compatible with the new digital system that's coming in next year, you hook this box up and it converts, it down-converts the signal to the old compatibility format, basically. Uh, and so apparently uh, people can request the coupon by calling some government line or going to their website. Congress, in ordering the transition to digital broadcasting, set aside $1.5 billion taxpayer dollars for the coupon program, which will fund 33.5 million coupons and other costs. Wow. Now, I hate taxes. Well, probably not quite as much as Ian, probably more around Mark, but I mean... Even if we're going to have taxes, why are we spending it on this? Are we t- are, is, are all the other problems in America yeah. solved that even someone who agrees with paying taxes says we need to put over a billion dollars towards America keeping their TVs on? And this is a problem that the government created to begin with. Isn't this insane, Toby? I it, mean, it's crazy. It makes me wonder what kind of a country we live in. Right, because now I, I'm clearly I, my taxes are going to pay for this. Is going to pay yep. for this, and now I'm so I am clearly obligated to provide um, the uh, the next guy with television programming. That's I, wrong. I think people should be watching less TV, maybe more Free Minds TV, but less regular TV. That's why, uh, Toby, by the way, <laughs> I haven't mentioned that yet tonight. Toby is the host of Free Minds TV, which you can see online, on demand, at freemindstv.com. Uh, so go there and check that out when you get a chance. But you guys are absolutely onto something here. It really makes you wonder, why is it that the government considers this so important? You know, the idea that people have to have their TVs in America. We can't... Oh my goodness, if people don't get these coupons, they won't be able to have television, and then people might start, what, thinking for themselves yeah. for the first time? Reading Maybe a reading book. books? <laughs> uh, whoa, we can't have Americans doing that. You guys are supposed to be dumbed down. It's Keep really, watching TV, America. It's like the bad parent ki- uh, substituting the D- TV as a babysitter, and it's essentially what the government seems to be doing. It's the babysitter for the masses. Uh, that's how I feel about it, yep. I'm, I'm not sure that I uh, necessarily agree with the, uh, the the conclusion you've What's drawn. What's the motivation there. then, Mark? Well, because they forced um, the manufacturers to change their uh, their you know what, what you know go to HD yeah. by such and such time. So it's they forced them. That's true. Therefore, the government's well, like, well, we forced people to change their televisions, and so now so we're going to sh- force everybody to pay for everybody that has an over-the-air television well, set. No, no, they're saying, well, we should pay for it. The government should give them money. We're the government, and we forced everybody, so we should give them money. And it's mm-hmm. our money. They don't really think of it as the taxpayers' money. Yeah. It, they, you know, why should they? I see where you're coming from, Mark, but I think it has to do with what Toby's saying in that they believe that television is so important. I mean, this is we're talking about a fifty-dollar box here. 
This isn't a huge uh, expenditure, and you have to remember that the people that uh, you know that you're dealing with that watch a lot of television, many poor people that watch a lot of television have more than one TV in their home. I used to know some uh, some not so wealthy people that had a huge widescreen or or big screen TV when they were you know they're spending all their money on beer and cigarettes and they've got this big screen TV but nothing else really to show for their lives. Mm. So it's not like these poor people have any trouble buying television sets. In which case, it wouldn't be a big deal for them to go out and you drop 50 bucks. If television is so important to them, it wouldn't be a big deal for them to go out and drop $50 on one of these converter boxes. But no, they have to be subsidized by the government because you mommy know, government's got to take care of your TV watching habit. It would also be very interesting to look at some of the behind-the-scenes dealings that were done with the companies that will be releasing oh, yeah. these because you know that yep. someone's palms are being greased for this. I mean, a billion dollars worth of contracts coming from the government? Someone's making a pretty penny off this. Here's how the system works. It uh, does work under the honor system, so they say. The first 22 million coupons, they're going to have 33.5 of them, by the way. 22 million of them will go to all households that request them. That includes a residence that gets cable service for one television but has a spare TV that still uses an antenna, for example. The rest of the coupons, however, are meant only for those who do not subscribe to a pay television service, which I presume means they're going to somehow verify that. Uh, the Nielsen Company estimates that 14.3 million households, here's your number, uh, Toby, 13% of the 112 million total television households in the nation rely on over-the-air television broadcasts for programming. So that's, that's a significant number of people. Tony Wilhelm, Director of Consumer Education for the Bureaucracy, says the agency expects to have enough coupons to satisfy demand. Uh, we think the high number, listen to them try to estimate this, we think the high number will be 26 million, low end is 10 million. Members of Congress have criticized both the NTIA and the FCC for their work on the transition to digital television. In November, the Government Accountability Office, uh, Congress's investigative arm, released a report that concluded there is no comprehensive plan for the transition. Most of the concern rests with public education campaigns. While Congress allocated $1.5 billion for the coupon program, only $5 million was for education. The Association for Public Television Stations reported in September that 51% of participants surveyed were unaware that the transition was taking place. So, <laughs> so they've spent $1.5 billion on printing out these coupons and setting up a program to distribute them. But what they're saying here is that there's Nobody a very... Nobody knows there is a program. Right. People are not aware unless they happen to read news articles like this or maybe the, uh, you know, presumably the, the news broadcasters, the local channels, will put some sort of PSA on the air about this to, uh, to alert their viewers. Because obviously they don't want to lose their viewers, right? So, uh, but right now, as of this point, uh, people just don't know about it. Since then, the broadcast industry has, an, uh, industry has announced a voluntary, voluntary public education campaign. The FCC is circulating a plan among the commissioners that would make a public education effort by broadcasters mandatory. <laughs> so, apparently it wasn't good enough that the TV stations are out there telling people about it voluntarily. Now the FCC wants to twist their arm to force them to use their on-air inventory, the, uh, the the place where they normally would play a commercial or a yeah. PSA, to inform, to inform their viewers about the coming change. Congress ordered the transition to make use of the more publicly owned airwaves. And by the way, they don't mention this in the story, but as I recall, the original transition was supposed to happen by 2006. So it has already been put off by three years. That's quite typical of a government Yes, program. it is. Nothing unusual there. January 24th, the, uh, this is next year, the FCC, or maybe this year, the FCC will auction off the spectrum currently being used for analog television. That portion of the airwaves will be sold to wireless providers and is expected to bring in as much as $15 billion. And it's all going to be given to children's charities. Oh, no, I lied about that last part. 
It's going to the FCC. They'll make more rules and more laws. Right. They'll just pocket it and use it to expand their bureaucracy. 800-259-9231. What do you think the motivation is for these TV uh, vouchers? Do we want to keep Americans addicted? Is that what's going on here? It's Free Talk Live. You take control. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we uh, give away. Unlike those other radio talk show hosts that want to charge you for access to their website, ours is free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the bulletin board system where you can get interactive with over 2,000 of our listeners. Uh, You can talk about all kinds of things, serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all, and it's all for free. bbs.freetalklive.com. Get you there. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. March 12th through the 15th is the 56th annual running of the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring. It's presented by Fresh from Florida. The world's fastest sports cars will be battling for 12 hours on the famous Sebring Road Course. For tickets and information, call one 800 626-RACE or visit SeabringRaceway.com. It's March 12th through the 15th. Don't miss it. SeabringRaceway.com. Back to your phone calls. Let's talk to William in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hello, sir. How are you doing? William? I really appreciate what you're, what you're saying about the digital uh, TV situation. To me, as a concerned listener, I feel like uh, it's, a, it's a standard uh, dump truck procedure. You know, like with the uh, cell phones, like if you have any problems, uh, write to customer service. And there's no person that will pick up on the on the complaint or the or the request. It's simply dumped into a general fund, to a general pile. And uh, I think that, uh, of course, freedom requires eternal vigilance. You know, that's something we need to really be aware of. And it's too easy to sit back and say, oh well, you know, which so many people are doing. But um, I, I really feel that our communications industry is um, is, is basically uh, uh, is very very controlled. Uh, oh, yeah, they're absolutely compromised. I mean, they're, they're essentially puppets of the state. Uh, there was a story recently that said that I guess the federal government has been looking to exempt the telcos from uh, felony charges for breaking the law when it, rega- when it came to spying on Americans. Uh, they've exempted the telephone companies from uh, possible prosecution on that. Yes, I understand. This is uh, it's going to be really murky. Can I mention another different subject for a moment, please? Sure, yeah, go regard- ahead. It's in regard to the POWs. There's a book called Soldiers of Misfortune. It's endorsed by U.S. General Westmoreland, who was chief of all military forces in Vietnam, who passed away recently. But he states he endorses this book, and he states that every American needs to read the book. Uh, every school. Why? Book Why every should school. people read that book? I mean, there's so many books well, out there to read. Well, because it, it uh, documents how uh, over 25,000 American soldiers were kidnapped by the Russians after World War II. Uh, oh, the you're the guy that for... believes that they were all taken to an island, right? Well, they, they're, not, they're not only on a super-secret island, but they're also in a, a prison. Uh, there's a prison called Gask, spelled G-A-Y-S-K. So you're telling me that they, they captured these people decades ago, and they're hmm. still there? That, they're being, that the, the taxpayer dollars from those countries are going to keep these people alive? Why would they do that? Yes. Well, the basic reason is that after World War II, Russia said we want all the Russian traders back. You know, during World War II, we were capturing uh, German soldiers, 
and quite often we, we were capturing Russian turncoats with the German soldiers. So when uh, the World War II was over in Russia, so we went back all these traitors. And because of the barbaric way Russians treated traitors, uh, we refused to do that. So then Russia turned around and started, uh, when they're, instead of liberating uh, an American POW camp, it was German-controlled. Hold on, I thought this they, was Vietnam. You're saying this was back in World War II when they took these prisoners? Well, well, well this, this is actually a start. You know, this is where they started from. And then uh, in, uh, in 19, uh, during the Korean conflict and uh, when development by Russia, the uh, atomic bomb in 1954, you know, the Cold War was full force. And our U.S. Uh, intelligence knew about... Uh, Many thousands of American soldiers who are alive and who are uh, kept in uh, Soviet, Ukraine, etc. Uh, prisons, you know, throughout, throughout those areas. So you, you, I uh, thought you had told us before that this was just on one island. You're saying there are several prisons around the world where Americans, you believe, oh, yeah, are well, still being held? Yes, well, they, they're, there are many, many prisons, over 500 hard labor camps in Russia alone. Heaven, uh, I mean, aren't we on better, I mean, the, no, I want to say we, I mean, the government, isn't the U.S. government on better terms with the Russian government now? You're saying they're still well, keeping yes, prisoners? We, yeah, see what they're doing, they, they'd like to be on better terms, it's called, you know, going to a detent, you know, detent. And that means that, you know, we, we like to have, you know, better uh, trading, you know, better trading, better, you know, uh, getting better uh, relations. But it also means that the American people who have lost their loved ones during the war is find out about what's happening. Uh, there's going to be uh, uncontrolled records. You know, you're going to have lives of are banging on prison gates. And uh, So hold on a second. Who's in these Russian prisons? Uh, thousands of American soldiers. Who from what war? Country. From what conflict? Well, from World War II. Korea, from World Vietnam. War II? They're getting yes. old. Those guys are like 80 years old. I mean, eventually this is a problem that's going to solve itself, right? Well, you know, people have said that before, but in our church, for example, I belong to a uh, Anglican church in Tampa, Florida. Anglican? And the public, Anglican, yeah, and there are probably six or seven uh, World War II vets who are quite active. You know, they're Bible classes, uh, they bounce around, you know, because they're, they're happy. And they're, they're very capable men, you know, even from World War II. Not for hard um, labor, though. Wait, well, you claim I they're mean, used, being used for hard labor? I missed that claim. It was somewhere in there he said that. There's quite a story, but, you know, for, for real... It is quite a story, sir. I will agree with yeah. that. Yeah, there, there's a U.S. ambassador, John G. John J. Miller, at large. That means he's in charge of all the ambassadors who are in the U.S. He's, he's a director. Uh, if you'd like to contact him... What do you think is going to happen here? I mean, what do, you, what do you expect to occur? I mean, if enough people read this book you're talking about and come to believe what you believe, uh, that there is this uh, large, you know, several thousand, in your, in your words, uh, POWs still out there from World War II, uh, if enough people come to believe that, what do you expect will occur, sir? Well, there's, a, there's a, something we have in this country called strategic analysis, which is over all the controls. That means there's no gut feelings, there's no emotions. And when our U.S. generals and military people look at 301 million Americans compared to 20,000, uh, 20, 30,000 captured Americans in communist countries, uh, they feel there's no, there's no rescue possible. And so that means that uh, they, they don't know them, they don't acknowledge them. Because, again, if the American people ever found out you know, their loved ones, they go storming over there and cause an international, probably a, a trigger a third world war. That's where our strategic analysis, you know, is, is holding everybody up. That's what's happening. But so, wait, what do you like expect to happen? You expect Americans are going to get outraged, and then the government's going to go and, like, raid these prisons? Is that the idea? Uh, well, not really, because I read a case of a, a U.S. Marine. His name was Wells. Uh, he was brought up from one of these uh, coal you know, pits in, in Russia. He was taken to a Russian hospital, according to the, uh, the transcripts I read. 
and uh, when he was in bed, he was dying because of lung congestion. But some Soviet soldiers on two different parts of the hospital wing came in to see what an American U.S. Marine looked like. And he couldn't talk, but apparently, according to what I've read, nurses, etc., uh, he, he took his hands up in the air and he started rocking back and forth, you know, like he was a father. So like he was Russians, what? He, he, was, he, was, he was making the, you know, the rocking motion like he had children, you know, he had, he had a baby. Okay, rocking okay, baby, gotcha. So, so then the nurses and doctors and soldiers went out there and... Um, they, bro- they, they broke the ice. You know, they didn't. They were fathers, they were they had children, etc. And so, according to all the people there, um, you know, they became very joyous. That was their reaction. I'm having However, trouble understanding you at this point. I got to let you go, dude. But thank you for the call. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Very difficult. Uh, he's not the best uh, advocate for his, for his case. I, he's called in before, I believe. He's, he's called once, at least once with before, Paula, right? Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. I, it, it seems well, I very, thought you had some good questions for him last time off the air. You, you thought up, Mark, and I'm surprised you didn't uh, throw them at him. Uh, uh, you know, the you idea didn't, that you these, didn't remember him calling either, and I don't remember it's been so oh, long. I remember the call. Yeah, I, I remember it immediately now. after he started bringing up that book. Well, I, I've, there's been a few people who have uh, alleged a- such allegations on the show before. I know that some of them in the past have said that they're being quarantined because they're diseased, so they can't bring them back here. But it even. just seems so, so unlikely to me. I mean, to to maintain um, these guys over a period of time, it, it since World War II, bullets are cheap. Yeah. You know? Like why? Why would they be maintaining them? What for one reason or the other? Like you said, bullets are cheap. I mean, if I don't we're know how many of these guys there are. But what are the hard labor turning big rocks into little rocks? Bulldozers my, are a lot cheaper than they used yeah, to be. My grandfather was in World War II, and he's he's not doing any hard labor right now. He's he's an old man. Just a bizarre call. I mean, I guess you could claim they're trying to use them as leverage over the government, but as that guy was saying, the, the government, government doesn't, doesn't care, care about its own. I mean, they, the government doesn't care about these guys, so there's no real benefit to these countries to keep these guys alive. So I think it's just kind of a ludicrous position. 1-800-259-9231, but he believes something will happen, I guess, though he wouldn't really even answer that question. It's Free Talk Live. What would happen if a bunch of people found out uh, uh, that you know there, there were still POWs from World War II? What can you do about that? More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Join us online. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. The features there are for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then AMP. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll learn more about the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show. Get on more radio stations around the country, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty and crazy crackpot callers <laughs> as fast as possible. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board and learn about the perks you'll get access to, like the amp-only call-in line, chat room, forum, amp-only shrine, and some other fun stuff that's only available to the amplifiers. Again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. You know, I, I'm all for advocates uh, for our military vets. I, you know, I, would, uh, I, I want people to be uh, looking out for them. Because, well, the government's going to crap on them any opportunity they get, it seems. You made a great point, though, during the break, Mark, about the this the claim that last caller was making. He was saying that they've got these guys, they've had them since World War II, uh, over in secret prisons around the world. Or maybe they're not so secret, I don't know. But uh, they, they're allegedly holding all these dudes, and they're caring for them, and feeding them, and making them work. Hey, you said that... Uh, 
bullets are cheaper, right? I, th- I thought I thought I said that on air. I don't actually. recall you saying that on. Air. Okay, yeah, um, it, it's 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 cheaper to uh, buy a bullet than it is to uh, you know pay than to feed a guy one day. Right, because if they're not effective leverage over the U.S. government, and they're not, I mean, as far as the, that, from what that guy has to say, they've forgotten about them. Right, the U.S. government doesn't care and about them. And it would them. sully the reputation of any country that uh, you know was you know if Russia or China or Vietnam, you you pick you pick your country that we've been at war with or sort of dark wars with. And if they were to say, well, we're going to give you your troops back. We've got these 100 guys. We've got these 37 guys that are left alive, and we're going to mm-hmm. give them back to you. That'd look awful for them for, on the, in, the, in the international Except press. Except he claimed it was like 20,000 guys. Right. So it's, it's a lot easier to uh, have those guys dig holes and shoot them and let them drop into those holes. Yeah. And then somebody else can fill them in. So it just it just doesn't make logical sense. It doesn't, no. Let's continue with your phone calls. Bring up anything. Let's go to J.C. in Utah. You're on Free Talk Live with the Intobian Mark. Hello, J.C. Libertations, gentlemen. What's on your mind? Give a man a bullet. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I had a great witty saying, and it just left me. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> but I have to say... Um, uh, you were talking a couple of shows back, or maybe last show, uh, about um, how people should maybe give up their comfort on the beach and uh, leave their sunny Florida, bear with a little cold in New Hampshire, and join the Free State Project. And, and if they love liberty, the yeah, that is what I said. If they uh, they really want a chance at liberty in their lifetime, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the Free State Project is the best chance at that. So, yes. Yeah, and I was, I was uh, at the risk of being annoying to you here, Ian. I was um, hoping that you would say the word, but you, you didn't, because it sounded like you were you were talking about that we should make a sacrifice for a higher purpose, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because um, sacrifice means to make sacred originally, um, to forego or destroy something for a higher cause or a higher purpose. You gotta forgive Ian. He's he's recently read a book and it, it's rare for him to do so and, and in that book it said, Well sacrifice is not true not in or your something like that. Yeah, whatever. And uh, <laughs> exactly. you know, he was he was he was sort of working with that uh, terminology and seeing if it worked for him and and you've just schooled him. <laughs> well you, you know what, it's um I guess the Tannehills didn't invent the word, but um, it, it is a sacrifice. It is uh, it is putting something aside, you know, my comfort on the beach, uh, for a greater purpose. And uh, I, I do urge to make that sacrifice. And, and it is in their self-interest because what they'll get in return, hopefully, is liberty. Oh, well, then again, I think that... Uh, at, at least I, you'll have the satisfaction of knowing you did what you could for liberty. I prefer the term investment at that at that point, because uh, the idea is that you're going to get something in return down the line, which is the purpose of an investment, whereas a sacrifice is something where you're just giving up value with it, with no uh, expectation of return. So I think that I think there is a slight difference there. Mm. It's important to point that there, out. There is, and I guess both could, both could work. But, you know, now that I've uh, beaten the dead horse beyond recovery... Maybe I'll I'll start listening to the to the book again. <laughs> that would be the Market for Liberty. That's what you're referencing. It's an excellent book, and you can download it for free at book.freekeen.com. Though I'm told that the website might be down for maintenance, uh, so when it's back online, that website URL will work. Uh, and somebody told me they just Googled it. Apparently, it's being hosted at several different places now. So if you Google the Market for Liberty audiobook, you might be able to find it elsewhere. But back to the TVs, Ian. I'll tell you why the government wants to subsidize uh, buying the new HD TVs. 
Because if that? people are left in the dark for too long, they may discover Free Talk Live. Ooh, Have a yeah. good evening, That's gentlemen. it. That's, they've got us in mind. <laughs> Thanks, JC. 800-259-9231. I, I think we're probably on some government agent's radar, but not the whole government. You don't think that uh, George Bush has been given a little clip from Free Talk Live of, of us railing against him? Doubtful. He uh, he's has so many to listen to. <laughs> I mean... I think they did a story on George Bush's iPod once, and it told you what was on his iPod, and it was, you know, like the Beatles or something like that. Hmm. That's what I'd say that was on my iPod if I was George Bush. Too. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. Got an email from Josh, who was on the line with us earlier. He uh, says, got cut off before I could ask one of my questions. He says, hey, I called in about the personal information for sale on the Internet. I kind of got cut off before I could ask the question my anxious ramble was introducing. I'm sure you understand the sudden, uncontrollable anxiety associated with realizing that X amount of people will hear any stutter or inarticulate diatribe that comes from your mouth, which, of course... That's okay, because they don't know who you are, Josh. They're just, you're just Josh in New Hampshire, and it's all right. Don't worry about it. It's just radio. Anyway, a couple of questions, he says. First, how is, uh, we're talking about, he, he called in about privacy earlier and how all these different companies have managed to acquire his information. And it was disturbing to him. Uh, he says, firstly, how is it not a violation of one's right to privacy? And we did touch briefly on that in the second uh, segment after we'd gotten off the line with Josh, and that was that you don't have a right to privacy. You don't. You have the you have the right to buy things to protect your privacy. You have the right to spend time and effort and and money uh, trying to insulate yourself from people being able to know things about you and find things out about you. I think you. you have a right to protect yourself uh, from you know government intrusion, yeah. and uh, really rights are about government interaction. Well, yeah, I think of right to privacy of right to privacy from the government. I mean yeah. nothing else, but the government doesn't have a right to intrude on my personal life. Whatsoever, And I think it's great that you made that point, Toby, because I think a lot of people misunderstand when it comes to rights. They believe that, or at least the rights that are outlined in the Constitution, that, that are outlined in the Bill of Rights, okay? Those, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the right to life or, uh, or liberty or the pursuit of happiness. So I'm talking about the ones in the Constitution. The right to bear arms. You may not have the right to bear arms if you're in my house, though I would actually allow you to bear arms. But I could, as the property owner, say, I don't want guns in my house. Same thing. You don't have the uh, the right to free speech when you're in my house. Right. If I don't want you yelling the F word at the top of your lungs over and over again, I'm going to tell you. You can insult my wife, and I'm going to kick you out the door. <laughs> right. I'm going to tell you it's time you're going to have to leave because rights, uh, the, the rights that the government outlined in the Bill of Rights only have to do with your interactions with the government. The government, again, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution are a set of instructions for the government to follow. Now, we all know they don't, but theoretically, it's a set of instructions for the government to follow in order to be the best darn government on the face of the earth, right? Hey, our government's best. It doesn't infringe on our rights. Again, it does, but again, we're talking theory. So you have a right to free speech when it comes to the government. The government should not be able to silence you if you're on their government property, if there's public property involved. You should have the right to free speech. You should have the right to, to bear arms to defend yourself and also defend yourself against a tyrannical government. That's the reason why the Second Amendment was put there. You should have a right to privacy when it comes to a government because the more prying a government is, the more dangerous it can become. So there was reasons that the Founding Fathers put all this into the Constitution and, of course, it's just all been ignored. But you don't have those rights when it comes to private property. And it's something that people don't get, Toby, because when they're taught about rights in government school, mm -hmm. they're taught that 
these are just flat across the board. You have a right to free speech, which is why people get very upset when they're uh, they're talking too loud in a crowded theater, for instance, and you know they're shushed. Uh, you, they they get uh, perturbed. This is America, right, right to free speech. Right, or they get perturbed when they call in a talk show like ours, and we do let people call in about anything, but many of them do not. Many talk shows do not allow that, and they'll get very perturbed. Well, hey, this is freedom of speech. I should have the freedom to speak. Well, no, sorry, this talk show is my property, and I can set whatever rules I want to. There aren't very many rules on Free Talk Live, but one of them is that you do have to be FCC-friendly so we can protect our radio station's licenses. You step outside of those those boundaries, and you're done for. Right, and uh, you know the next rule is that although you'll get to say what you want to say initially, you have to continue to be interesting in order to stay on. He finally uh, wraps up his email with one other question. He says, uh, he's asking about these information collecting services, these private ones. He says, do these services even belong in the marketplace? What kind of restrictions, if any, would you put on the type of services that would be available in the free marketplace? Well, a free marketplace means I wouldn't be putting restrictions on anything. And again, I think that it's up to you as the individual who wants to retain their privacy to go through whatever steps it takes to do that. Nobody owes you anything. It's been Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. We will return on uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Join us then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.